my name is Justin, and I am uh, new here to you all. Um, before we get started, I just want to just create some space here for us um, and to tell you that Jesus is making room for you today. No matter how you might have come into this space this morning, no matter where you're from, the reality of worship is that God calls you and makes room for you. He is our host. So to prepare for that, I'm just going to ask you to just take a moment, close your eyes, and hear this. This morning you don't need to do anything. You don't need to perform. Maybe you're anxious or afraid or hiding out. I want you to know that as we come to His Word, that He is here. That He's for you. That He's inviting you to feast with Him and to just receive from Him. You're invited into this moment, this space, to receive from God. Hear God's word this morning from Revelation chapter 3. And to the angel of the church in Laodicea write, the words of the Amen, the Yes, the faithful and true witness, the beginning of God's creation. And Jesus speaks, I know your works, you are neither hot nor cold. Would that you were either cold or hot. So because you are lukewarm and neither hot nor cold, I will spit you out of my mouth. For you say, I am rich, I have prospered, and I need nothing. Not realizing that you are wretched, pitiable, poor, blind, and naked. I counsel you to buy from me gold refined by fire so that you may be rich and white garments so that you may clothe yourself and the shame of your nakedness may not be seen and salve to anoint your eyes so that you may see. Those whom I love I reprove and discipline so be zealous and repent. Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come into him and eat with him and he with me. The one who conquers, I will grant him to sit with me on my throne as I have conquered and sat down with my father on his throne. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. Let's pray. God, we pray that you, um, one, that we would, we, would, we would hear, see, and know that you are, you are with us. That by your word, you are here as our host, inviting us, um, inviting us into a life with you. And so we pray that through your word, by the Spirit, you might open our eyes, give us ears to hear, eyes to see, and a heart to understand. We ask this in the name of Jesus. Amen. Um, I'm the, I am the new guy, and maybe that's anticipated, like you were waiting for this day, or 
Maybe you're like, who is this guy? Or, geez, do we need another guy? Um, I mean, I think about like how Giorgio invited me to come and um, speak during like a giving series as a new guy. And on a day that there's a congregational meeting. But um, we're new here. We're very green to Winston. It was a big move for us. And what I want you to hear from me is that many of you have made room for us. Whether it's by uh, providing meals for us, being very, very welcoming, encouraging to us as we're here. Like, we're so glad that you're here with us in North Carolina. We're so glad that you did this, you moved here. And even... Just the whole idea of this, y'all, like, like Giorgio as the senior minister making room in this way, it's been very special for us, and I want to say thank you. Um, I am talking about hospitality, but I, I, I kind of want to phrase this for you this morning, and this question is, like, are you enough? And is there enough? Like, I think that's what's facing us as a church, as Redeemer Church. Like, the question that maybe we walk in this morning is, is am I enough? And I just want you to know that I feel that with you. Like, getting up here, starting this journey together from this space, this very interesting space that, that you and I will occupy together. Like, that is a question that I'm asking. Am I enough? And it's perhaps when you ask, as you walk through the doors of a church or as you walk about your life and your job, wherever you might be, are you enough? And then as you think about what's before Redeemer, if you were here in the congregational meeting, you listen to some of the things, do, do we have enough? Like to be a host and to make room for another person, to invite them into your space, to make another seat at the table, is there enough? Am I enough? Here in Revelation chapter 3, we're at the end of the, like, Jesus addressing these churches. The number seven representing specific churches in history, but also the whole of the church. Ephesus is the good church. Smyrna is the suffering church. Pergamum is the false teaching church. Thyatira is the tolerant church. Sardis, the dead church. Philadelphia, the gospel church. Our passage ends with this picture, a vivid one. Jesus at the door, knocking. And the question is posed, what if Jesus shows up at the door of your church? What if Jesus shows up at Redeemer Church? The mile marker here that we begin with is in verses 15 and 16. And Jesus gives this call, this accusation maybe, of lukewarmness. Notice the connection between your works and what you are being. I know your works. And you are being neither hot nor cold. The works of this church displaying their passion, their life, Hot. The lack of that, cold. Maybe this morning we, we start to take our spiritual temperatures. Am I hot? Am I cold? Am I somewhat like just meh? It's what we do as individuals, right? 
we are people evaluating like where we're at maybe with God? Or as a church, like this church, man, I, I came, I, I came to this church and, and I was like, man, something really got me, something spoke to me, the song, the sermon. Or, or maybe, man, this place was kind of dead. It was boring. The spiritual temperature of the church. Like new people aren't the only ones who do this. We, we do it all the time in our own lives and how we look at the church. We, we take temperature. We, we judge based on how we are or how we think we are or perceive we are. Jesus here in Revelation 3 is not saying I'd, I'd rather you abandon the faith than struggle with the, the highs and lows of it, the hot and the cold of it. He isn't saying if you can't be on fire, then, then just forget it. Or you're so apathetic, I'm just going to... I'm just going to spew you out of my mouth. See, here's the thing about Laodicea and this church. The city itself was a cosmopolitan city. It's the most prominent of the the three cities in the Lycus Valley. The other two cities are Colossae and Hierapolis. It it was a major uh, trade center. Transportation kind of ran through Laodicea. It's on this crossroads, this highway. Um, In Albuquerque, we had... I-25 and I-40, and where they met, we call it the Big Eye. Like, that's the kind of city it is. It's where roads cross, and it's ironic that I'm here in Winston and I-40 comes like all the way here, right? It was the banking center of the region. People would exchange gold in um, Laodicea for currency. Cicero would come here and teach and work. He, it had a prominent medical school known for its ophthalmology, especially this, this salve, uh, Phyregian powder that would heal people's eyes. It was a, a booming textile place exporting costly and seamless black wool garments. It was wealthy and successful. After a great earthquake in AD 60, they, didn't, they, they told Nero that they did not need uh, the empire's help. Now from all of that, we can see how Jesus starts to tie these things in what He he says to them as He's done with all the churches. This church, like this city, is affluent. And that has that affluence, and here's kind of the, the big idea here. That affluence has made them think that they are good host for Jesus. Like they are a church that they have it together, and so they are a place where they can host this Jesus. They can be Jesus' host. And that takes us to the third thing about the city is their water. We, uh, my family and I spent about four years in Lubbock, and one of the things about Lubbock is it has terrible, terrible water. Uh, I don't know if it's like because of the, where it sits and the natural gas that is in the, the region, but... You, we would never drink the, the tap water in Lubbock. It was terrible. Um, and so, Laodicea had this water issue. Hierapolis was on a plateau six miles to the north. It had these great hot springs, great for med, uh, medicinal use. Colossae was ten miles to the east. It had cool, refreshing drinking water from the mountains. But Laodicea had no such thing. In fact, the water was so murky with this like white mud, it was... Uh, it would make you nauseous if you drank it. It was undrinkable. The water source for the city was five miles away. And consequently, 
people would then serve wine in their homes. And the way they went about making this wine is they would press it into a jar three times to ferment it and to enhance the flavor of the wine. They would add um, dead yeast to it or chalk or marble dust or even lead to bring out the sweetening of the wine. Another technique was to withhold a portion of the the sweetened, uh, unfermented part of the wine that was very alcoholic. And they would add water to it. And they had to watch it heat so carefully because the high alcoholic content in it could uh, make it blow up or catch fire. Hear this, when Jesus is saying to them, you are, are like your water, neither hot nor cold, not, not refreshing, not healing. You, you think you're good host. You think you have the best wine and water. But really, it just makes me want to spit it out of my mouth. Now, what makes this church sickening to Jesus? Why are they, are they of no spiritual value? Verse 17, For you say, I am rich. You say, you have prospered. You say, you need nothing. Jesus is the, the host of all the churches. He has come to serve them, to dine with them, to eat with them. Remember, Revelation is this whole building up. It's a It's a revelatory letter of the building up to the end where what happens? There's a feast, a party, a wedding. And who's the host? Jesus is the host. He's stressing to this church, I want to be your host. I want to make room for you at my table, but you think that you're my host. Jesus stressed this all through His life, right? Think about Jesus' parables of master and servant. Or or the Pharisees, when Jesus spoke to them and He said, oh, 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 that you would come to Me and have life. But you won't come to Me. This is the church at Laodicea. They think they are the host. They think they are enough. That they have enough. They are offering water. But it's just, it's gross. They're offering wine, but the wine hasn't been burned or heated. The impurities haven't been dealt with. And so Jesus spits it out of His mouth. Have you ever done that? Spit out food? What makes you do that? Could be the taste. Could be you're laughing so hard you suck the food up into your nostrils and you have to expunge it some way, right? The wine, the water, it's lukewarm. What makes this church lukewarm? Their self-sufficiency. Their pride. And that leads to all the impurities, the nakedness, the blindness. We offer our riches, our success stories. We think we are the host. We think we're good hosts at that. Not realizing that we're wretched, poor, pitiable, blind, naked. There's two scenes from Jesus' life. Two parables. The first is the good son and the bad son. One alienated by his badness. One alienated by his goodness. But who's left out in the end? The one who won't be hosted by the Father. Because of his self-righteousness and self-sufficiency, he won't make room to come to the party to be hosted by his Father. Second, Simeon, the Pharisee, and the woman's uh, 
Simon the Pharisee and the woman, Simon hosts a party. He, he brings all the important dignitaries to the party, including Jesus. And this woman bursts in and interrupts it, covering Jesus with her hair, her tears, her most prized possession, her perfume. Then, he, then Jesus turned to the woman and said to Simon, do you see this woman? I came into your house. You did not give me any water for my feet, but she wept my feet with her tears and wiped them with her hair. You did not give me a kiss, but this woman from the time I entered has not stopped kissing my feet. You did not put oil on my head, but she has poured perfume on my feet. Therefore I tell you, her many sins have been forgiven as her great love has shown, but whoever has been forgiven little loves little. This is the church at Laodicea. They love little because they don't think they have anything to be forgiven of. Friends, what should your and I's hospitality, our making room, look like? We've been talking about giving, tithing, serving. What should that look like? Well, it should look like the prodigal. Like the woman. Not, not a church that has it all together, that's growing and successful, but an honest one. A vulnerable one. A humble one. A needy one. One of the things that, that drew me here is your all story. The story of a church that has been through it, it, it drew me to this place. I saw people making room, and it drew me here. Honest, vulnerable. One thing, uh, one that makes us good host of Jesus is being just that needy allowing Jesus to be our host. The woman, the younger son, they receive Jesus' hospitality. How? How do we receive Jesus' hospitality? By needing it. This is what Christine Pohl says, God's guest list includes a disconcerting number of poor and broken people. Those who appear to bring little to any gathering except their need. The distinctive quality of Christian hospitality is that it offers a generous welcome to the least without concern for advantage or benefit to the host. How many times are we tempted in our hosting to take the benefit of being host? Such hospitality rejects God's greater hospitality that welcomes the undeserving, provides the lonely with a home, and sets a banquet table for the hungry. Jesus says, as the host, verse 18, I counsel you to buy from me gold refined by fire. Now think about that, because Laodicea was the place that people brought their gold. To buy from me white garments. Think about the black wool that they distributed throughout the region so that you might clothe yourself in the shame of your nakedness may not be seen. And a salve to anoint your eyes so that you may see. 
How many times, friends, in our quest to be enough, do we try to buy what Jesus offers not realizing we can't. We, we try to give gold, white garments, solved eyes. We think these things are pure and clean and clear, but only God's grace can do that. And what He offers as your host this morning is free, without cost. Come, buy and eat, the writer of Isaiah says. Come, come to the waters. Come feast upon Me. Come and eat. It's free. I'll give you what you need. You see, Jesus offers us the good stuff. 120 proof grace. Refined gold. Washed white garments. Clear eyes. Full hearts. Can't lose. Notice the visitation and touch of Jesus. Verse 19. Those whom I love, I reprove and discipline. So be zealous and repent. Friends, this morning, no matter what what you might be walking in here with, that quest for being enough is real. And what we need in that quest is for Him to refine us, Him to clothe us, Him to animate us, open our eyes. We need His love, and Jesus offers it. They offer it, but this church can't see it. And so Jesus says, behold, behold, look, see. I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come into him and eat with him and he with me. You see, this picture is the bridal picture. He's the bridegroom. We are his bride. And this picture is a love scene. Jesus has come to wash us, purify us, dress us in white, ravish us with his love, opening our eyes to his beauty. Hear what Greg Thompson says. He says, even though we long for different homes and listen to other voices, in that quest to be enough, that's my temptation, that's your temptation, longing for different homes, listening to other voices, oh, if I could only hear all your praise after every sermon. The quest to be enough. Find other lovers. Reach for nourishment from other tables. Just go back to you this week. Think about the other tables you've sought to find nourishment from. God's own desire to host us has never stopped. Never stopped. No matter how many tables we run off to. No matter how many words of praise we seek to get. No matter how much we try to have enough And be enough. He continues to pursue us. And He promises us that He will return us to His table. The story of the Bible is a story of desire. This compulsion, this invitation, the story of God, the yearning host returning His people to His table. That love can change us. That love can make us be a people who say, there's always room for one more. It can correct our vision. It can reconstitute us as God's people. Listen to what he says in 21. The one who conquers, I will grant him to sit with me on my throne as I also conquered and sat down with my Father on His throne. I will make room at my table, he says, by those conquered by my love. Have you been conquered 
by the love of Jesus. If you have, you will let him host you. The question this morning is, will we receive Jesus' hospitality? Will we receive his love? Will we open the door and feast with Jesus? Um, and this is a, I've been known to, to, tell the, to, to tell the end of things before you might have seen them. I also am known to pronounce, mispronounce words, which that's a regular I'm going to spoil something for you. And if you hear this, you can get up and leave and I won't judge you. I've been watching The Bear to show. Won a lot of Emmys. The, the, the Bear deals with this restaurant. It's called The Beef. It's in Chicago. It's a sandwich shop and it's seen its better days. Um, and the question the show really is asking is, that question, am I enough? Is there enough? Can we, can we offer something to the world? The owner-operator, Michael Berzato, has died, and his uh, brother, Carmi. He, Carmi's a failed super chef. right? He, he's living with his own demons of his failure, and he's walking into this new restaurant, and the question that's before him, can I, can I be enough? Will I be enough? And as Carmi brings his presence into this new place, that's really an old place, anxiety enters the system. And that becomes the question that everybody that works at the beef is asking. Are we enough? Will we be enough? Is there enough? Will we make it? Marcus, Tina, Ibrahim, Sydney, they're all asking that question. And season two is this amazing season of storytelling. It invites us into the beef's been given this money an act of grace to resurrect this place and make it into like this five-star restaurant, right? And I want to I kind of draw out two things this morning from this. The first is in the character Richie. Richie's like the most anxious person in the system. He, he, he doesn't feel like at the beef he has a place. He doesn't really cook. He's not really a good host. And he is going through this really traumatic divorce. And if you watch Richie, all he knows how to do is complain and cuss. That's what he does. That's what he offers to the beef. Sarcasm. Cynicism. And then something happens in season two where, he is, where they make room for him at this really posh five-star restaurant. And he goes there and learns how to be a front-of-staff host. How to make room for people. And it totally changes his entire life. That act of grace to a guy who doesn't deserve it changes him. The second piece happens with Carmi. Carmi's the, the puppet master behind all of this. But he's kind of frazzled, distracted. He has this relationship with this girl that is a girl from his childhood that he's grown to love. Her name's Claire. She's a, um, she works at the hospital. Emergency room doc. And there's this freezer door that he's supposed to repair. He never gets around to repairing it. And on opening night, everything's happening, happening fast. If you've ever been in a restaurant, you kind of know the frazzled energy and activity of a restaurant. 
And he finds himself running into this freezer to get something, retrieve something. And when, he shuts, when the door shuts, he realizes, I forgot to fix the door, and he's locked in it. Locked in the freezer door. And he blows up. Starts cussing and yelling and throwing stuff. And he, he knows that the failure that's been haunting him, the question of am I enough that's been haunting him, finds him locked in this freezer door where he still is not enough. And he lashes out at everyone, including Claire. Finally, when he's let out of the freezer door, he gets this, or when he's about to be let out of the freezer door, he gets this message on his phone. It's from Claire. When he presses play, Claire's message is everything his outburst wasn't. She speaks calmly, deliberately to him. Her message is free from any expectation, overflowing with compassion, telling him she is proud of him. She administers a benediction over him. This person that Carmi has pushed away, heaped all his frustrations on, has somehow found her way into the freezer of his pain. And when Carmi hears it, he drops the phone. The words are almost too much for him to bear. Jesus stands at the door, the cold freezer door of your own making. You're in there, stuck, locked, throwing a fit, rehashing all the ways you have not been enough. And He says, benediction to you. He blesses you. He says, I'm here to feast with you. Will you let me host you? The story of the Bible is the story of a God who yearns to be your host. And remember, Redeemer. Remember, Redeemer. So we're in the midst of all this stuff and change. This is the only way. It's the only way for us to make room for each other around our tables. It's the only way for us to make room for Winston-Salem. It's the only way for any of the ministries that you heard about in this meeting happen. It's the only way for money problems to be answered is to receive Jesus, His love, His grace, to allow Him to be your host. And that reanimates us. It, it changes us from a people who think there won't be enough to people who know there will always be enough. Let's allow ourselves to be seen on our freezer room floors in the mess of our own making and allow God to serve us and be our host. Let's pray. Lord, You end this section with He who has ears to hear, let Him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. And that's our prayer. That's my prayer. As a pastor here, that You would help me to hear that because of You, I am enough. Because of You, I have enough. 
I pray for every person here and every child that's over in the other room and every musician on this stage and all the ways we get tired and worn out in our serving and giving. You make us enough because You are enough. You visit us in freezer room floors, locked in, frantic, and you still want to feast with us, making room for us around your table. So help us to hear that this morning. As we come to this table and by faith see that you're our host, offering us your broken body and shed blood. Come, remember, eat. Help us by the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen.